Good evening, Lehigh Valley. This is Sally Hanlon, your host this evening on Lehigh Valley Business Beat. And something that we're all starting to feel right now is the change in the seasons, change in the weather. So what's up with our weather? That's the focus of our conversation this evening. And although in the past, talking about weather was generally an icebreaker topic, you know, when you're in the elevator and don't know what else to say or meet somebody new, the weather has become much more heated and a polarized topic of conversation today. Um, So I thought we'd give it some focus with um, one of our repeat guests, uh, Bill Kirk, who is co-founder and president of, or CEO, of Weather Trends International. But before I let Bill come to the mic, I just want to, again, give you some history, which I like to do, so we're all sort of in the same frame of reference. The art of weather forecasting began with early civilizations using early astronomical and meteorological events to help them monitor the season changes. And then throughout the centuries, attempts have been made to produce forecasts based on weather lore and personal observation. But it wasn't until 1870 when we started to get a little bit more structured in what we were doing. And the primary reason for that was some of the more industrialized nations really wanted to be able to protect the shipments that were going across between the U.S. and Europe, etc. So uh, they wanted to know when the seas would be rough or when they, when they should ship and when they shouldn't ship. However, today, I think one thing we can all agree on with the weather is that the trends have definitely changed. Seasons are not what we remembered them to be. Um, Recently, I think it was even yesterday, I read that there has been some impact on our fall foliage based on what's been happening in the current environment and whether that's human related, industrialization related, whatever it is. I'm hoping that our guest this evening, Bill Kirk, will help give us some insight. So Bill, welcome back. Happy to be here. Uh, like I'm, you know more about weather folklore and all this stuff than I do. <laughs> I was fascinated by some of this stuff here. Well, I, and you have, have intrigued me with what you've been doing with weathertrends360.com, which is the website, Weather Trends International. You provide year-ahead guidance, which when I tell people about that, they're like, what? You know, Impossible. we can't get it re- ready for the next week or the next day. So give our listeners a little bit of your background, Bill, so they know where you're coming from. Sure. Uh, so I am Captain Kirk, uh, and I always say I'm the real <laughs> Captain Kirk because I was at the Air Force back in the late 80s, early 90s, worked under General Schwarzkopf, famous general, for some time. But really kind of where we started to think differently. Give me a forecast and don't change your mind once you issue it. So Whoa. <laughs> that's traditional physics and meteorology, which are trained at Rutgers, was, you know, it's it's a moving target. It's constantly changing, right? So you kind of have to think differently. So that's where we started with statistics and cycles. And today it's trillions upon trillions upon billions of statistics and a lot of math. Thank God for Amazon Web Services. Uh, we couldn't do it. So again, you just have to look at statistics and cycles. So we've become very, you know, it's kind of astute at that. And um, it plays into the whole, you know, climate change discussion because the, the weather is kind of cyclic. Um, so if you don't know that, then, you know, you're going to miss big events that, that happen. Well, and you were, you're an anomaly, I think, for the Lehigh Valley because you were actually supposed to be going to the Silicon Valley at one point. At least they wanted to try and uh, pull you over there based on your technology and your information you provide. But you stayed here. Again, I grew up in Hawaii as a kid, kind of where, I, you know, a big 100-inch storm in a week. I say if you liked Sandy, it was like Sandy only had happened a week-long event. So that was kind of where I got interested in weather. And after the Air Force decided I wanted to, you know, Rutgers was close, but, you know, like Pennsylvania better than New Jersey. So ended up here and just love it here. So we're right here in Bethlehem. In fact, we just moved downtown Bethlehem. So we uh, we love it here and uh, proud to be here. And 
we, we've won a lot of awards. It's a unique technology. So we've, uh, I think the biggest one is Forbes' fifth most promising company in America. I say we've yet wow. to live up. Live Congratulations. Up, live up to those accolades, you know. But um, again, technology is unique, uh, and it's how we use it for big Fortune 500 companies to do what they do, you know, a year ahead. So. Yeah, well, let's tell our, our listeners a little bit about your, your, your forecasting, your business, what you do for those Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. So again, we start with the statistical cycle. So we're predicting a temperature, rainfall, and snowfall metrics by week, by mile, a year out. Uh, I know that sounds like a lot of crazy math, but it works. Um, if we can get those three sensible things that impact, like today, we're cold, right? I'm wearing a scarf and a hoodie and a jacket, <laughs> right? We're cold. But what's cold to us is not what's cold to somebody, say, in Winnipeg, right? right? So they right. react differently. So we basically then look at past sales for the Walmarts, Targets, Kohl's, AutoZones, you know, big retail. Figure out why you did what you did. Why did you go out and put a scarf on today? Why did you buy one? Or why did you buy hot coffee bigger than you normally do? Right? Quantify that from the past, what you've done as a human, through point-of-sale data, and then predict those sales a year out. So today we're predicting 10,000 seasonal categories, everything you buy in a store, um, a week, year out, everywhere on earth. So our biggest client would be, uh, in terms of global geography, is Coca-Cola International. So they're using it to predict Coke sales, why you're going to drink cold beverages at certain, you know, if it's really, really hot, you know, we got this power of one degree. It's really cool that every degree hotter, you're going to drink about one to 2% more Coke. 10 degrees hotter, 20% more Coke, right? So if you figure out those little rules of thumb and then project their volume, uh, it's pretty powerful because you know, time inventory and allocation and advertising, it's the business side of that, that weather. My, my wife will joke, say, I hear the big snowstorm tonight. And I'm like, yeah, I, maybe I could tell you next year. But <laughs> I don't usually know what's going on here tonight. But uh, any event, that's how we try to help them be proactive, not reactive. Right. And and there probably isn't really a business build that isn't touched in some way, shape, or form by what our weather does. We get clients that are weird all the time, like Mercedes is a you know, few-year client now, but uh, like Mercedes, they make cars. But no, it's the servicing of cars, right? As soon as it gets really cold like this, intuitively, we start to think about things. Ooh, I better get my tires checked, my car checked, service. So their service calls can go through the roof that first good fall cold snap. People start to think winter. Uh, if it's delayed, you know, which it was delayed this year in October because we had a near record hot October. Um, so those service calls, whereas last year was like the coldest September, October, nine years nationally. Really cold early start last year. Snowiest in 20 plus years. So people did a lot of things early last year. This year it's just delayed till now. You know, we're starting yeah. to have an impact here now in November. So, But it was delayed probably five, six weeks. Well, if you're a Mercedes, right, you just right. had people that didn't get their car service for six weeks, you know, so – now they're getting a huge surge. Right now. And so that would Im impact not only your inventory, your your manpower, everything within so, that so business. Just, again, I always say just the little tweaks that they make. I mean, it has huge financial. I mean, again, these are billion-dollar companies, right? So sure. Just little tweaks in their business based on year-ahead guidance is uh, huge for them. So, again, it's a uh, – and they're, you know, they're an easy example. There's plenty of, you know, the production, you know, Anheuser-Busch beer, every degree hotter – we drink 1% more beer. I'm not a beer drinker, but you know, if it's 10 degrees hotter, 10% more beer. Well, they actually take about a third of what we say to plan their beer production. Right? Okay. So if you see that born on date kind of thing, right? I mm -hmm. mean, they know right now they're making beer for, let's say, uh, February. And we have February a little bit milder than last year, not as extreme. Um, they'll make a little bit more beer because it's a little bit milder, even though it's wintertime. If it's, you know, in the 50s or 60s, you know. Yeah, it's warmer than it was the You might before. be out <laughs> in the backyard barbecuing instead of shoveling 44 inches of snow last February. Right. <laughs> right. So you're more inclined to do something that you didn't do last year. Interesting. Mm. It's fascinating. And and you also provide a service for the, the consumer, correct? 
Um, well, we have free things for consumers. We have a 360 mobile app that's free, WT360 Lite. It's free. The pro version is 99 cents. We haven't updated it probably in a few years. It's you know it's still very applicable. You can go in and see your forecast little slidey bar and say, you know, I want to see my wedding in June next year. And it'll show you the week of temperatures and rainfall. And I always say what we're really good at is saying it's going to be a hot, dry week. Right. So I always say on a weekend, you know, it's a one day event. That's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you see it's a hot, dry week and Saturday's dry for your wedding, eh, probably going to be pretty accurate. In fact, we, I always say we're about 80, 85, sometimes even 90 percent accurate on that event. So I say I make more happy brides than bridezillas. <laughs> so they're usually <laughs> okay. happy. But um, versus you see we have a cold, wet week, you're going to see a lot more stormy days, if mm-hmm. you will. So it's just statistics, you know, saying, look, if it's cold and wet week, odds are you're going to have some bad weather you know that'd be a riskier week so it's a great planning tool if you have the ability to plan a vacation or give you an idea of what's going to happen well i know with one of my clients pre-covid we used to bring a lot of students over to a particular operation that they had and it was outdoors and so i would go to my app my weather trends app and i look at the week to try and figure out how to schedule and what to schedule and and what we would need to be able to support them so even just from a, a very small user perspective it's very helpful yeah, because again, statistics are just, you know, I mean, again, if it's an 85, 90% chance it's going to be hot, you know, based on historical trends and, you know, past history and trillions and trillions and billions of statistics, um, again, go with the odds. That's yeah. what we say, you know, physics is a moving target, right? So the, the physics is changing four times a day. That's why the forecast is changing constantly for the weekend, you know, but physics is physics. It's not, it's not there. It's a, it's a great for the next few days, but it's not that great Long term. at all beyond two weeks. Um, okay. Interesting. So let's bring this down to our listeners, perhaps their their individual thoughts and concerns. And I noticed that recently you joined with the allergy community. Allergy and asthma neck. So we've got into the, you know, during COVID, we started to look at, we've been in the flu space for 20 plus years. So it, it's common sense, maybe not to everybody, but that when you get really cold in the fall, why do we get sick in the wintertime? Because we're inside. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, it's has a lot to do with just the sun, right? So our UV levels plummet, right? So just your natural vitamin D that you get from the sun, like just a few minutes in the sun in a summer day, you're getting boatloads of vitamin D, Mm -hmm. right? Which protects our immune systems. That's why we really don't get sick as much in the summertime. But then winter comes, right? UV is non-existent. Even if it's a sunny day, there's no U, there's no vitamin D today. I'm, you know, it's right. It's level the sun. Yeah. yeah. So the flu just peaks in the wintertime because we're just a, we're more susceptible, where our immune systems are weaker. Right. Uh, cold weather also allows viruses and COVID as well. It was so frustrating during COVID for people to say, "Man, we don't know, we don't know. A virus is a virus is a virus. If you put it in really cold, dry weather, low humidity, it doesn't degrade, right? It can sit on your gas pump, your shopping cart, your doorknobs for days, two days, right? Oh. So if someone was snick and sneezed on your, you know, your grocery cart and you touch it and then you touch your eyes, your nose, your mouth, you're going to get sick, yeah. right? That's just the way it works with flu. Whereas in the summertime, the heat and humidity and UV kills it within seconds. That was the frustrating. Same thing with COVID. It does the same thing. So again, it's, it's just more concerning that viruses do survive in the wintertime. That's why we're more likely to touch it and then get sick. Um, well, I know in the wintertime, I seem to have this bent to, I want to air out the house all the time. So I want that fresh air coming through the house, that cold, fresh air. Is that not a well, good thing it, then? Well, <laughs> it is good to an extent. So I always encourage you. That, so they have proven that if uh, there was a Harvard study that proved that when they put mice that were virally sick with flu in certain temperatures, warm, humid conditions, even though the mice were virally sick in hot, humid conditions, they didn't spread it to their oh, mouse next to them. Okay. Versus as soon as they dropped the humidity below 43%, 
and made it a little bit cooler below 60, you know, mm-hmm. 50s, made it cool and dry, low humidity, the mice spread the virus like crazy, right? So you kind of want to keep your homes. You can't. The problem in the wintertime with our houses, you turn on your heat, you dry your house out to a desert. Right. If you've got to have a humidifier, I'm a, a huge believer in humidification. If you keep your house above 43%, which is hard to do here in the East, uh, but keep your house above 43% humidity, you're more likely to degrade the virus. So say someone comes into your home and is sick. The virus, again, it, what happens when they say, say they sneezed and it hits the 43% humidity, it swells. It, it's not this spiky thing like okay, this. It okay. becomes less ability to attach to you. Whereas if it's perfectly normal COVID or flu virus, it looks like this. It's a spiky thing. It can attach to your body, your mouth, your nose, your eyes very quickly. Right, so I think, you know, so open it up maybe briefly and then... And close it. Quickly get your house back to humidity level. My husband's going to want to listen to this uh, <laughs> show for sure because I sometimes freeze them out. Oh, okay, crazy. I would like to get started on talking about some of the things that have been happening this year, like the fires and the hurricanes and all that kind of stuff. It seems that it's there's more, but yet when we talked before the show, there's actually less. Just, it's so frustrating. Again, it's just the, the the media likes sensationalism because sensationalism drives viewership, right? So unfortunately, wildfires are actually down. They're not. In fact, the season ended very abruptly this year. Normally, we'd still be talking about fires in November in the West, but they had a lot of big, huge, the the atmospheric river, right? It ended the fire season early in California, the Northwest, the big bout of rain. It's done. Yeah, but now we so, have mudslides. Well, yeah, you can have that too. So <laughs> again, it, it there's a lot of times misinformation. You just go directly to the governmental sites to tell you that no, the wildfire acreage burned was not epic of all time history, you know, but that's what people may think. Uh, but the data tells you otherwise. Yeah. Um, We're going to talk more about this and what we're hearing and what we can maybe see going on in the future a little bit. But so we're going to take a short break right now. My guest this evening is Bill Kirk, who's co-founder and CEO of Weather Trends International, known as WeatherTrends360.com. This is Sally Hanlon for Lehigh Valley Business Beat. Celtic Fair, a celebration of Celtic music and culture from its roots in Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Brittany, and Galicia to its branches in Australia, Cape Breton, Canada, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, and the Lehigh Valley. Music, interviews, and a weekly culture calendar every Thursday from 7 to 9 here on WDIY. Welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Lehigh Valley Business Beat with our guest this evening, Bill Kirk, co-founder and CEO of Weather Trends International, which is headquartered right here in Lehigh Valley in downtown Bethlehem. We're talking about our changing weather and his company's ability to forecast for a number of businesses, organizations, associations. And before our break, we lit upon lightly the Allergy Asthma Network that he has become associated with. And if you're new to the Lehigh Valley, uh, you probably feel that you moved into an allergy geographical area. (laughs) So, Bill, why don't you explain what you're doing and how we can help people who have allergies? So, again, again, the three things that we've been working in that disease space that are highly correlated to weather are flu. Um, So viral flus are upper respiratory disease or, you know, it gets cold out, you start to get sick. 
asthma and allergy is really about spring pollens, right? So as soon mm-hmm. as you, and it's most people that have asthma, is, part of it is an allergy trigger. So this past spring, for example, we had an epically warm March, right? I mean, so this yeah, year, so <clears throat> allergy was the worst in like nine years uh, this past spring. And even the fall through October, September, I think was the worst in 20 years, the peak in September for like ragweed nationally. So that triggers your asthmatic attacks, your allergy attacks. Um, I remember going through a fall, chopping my leaves up one year in October, and I went through a leaf of dust cloud and got an asthma attack. Well, the problem was I didn't know I really had, and it was mild, but three months of suffering from that. I mean, literally, I had a lung test, a pulmonary test, had all kinds of tests to figure out what went wrong, and it was a slightly asthmatic trigger. So what we've done for AAN, Allergy Manassas Network, is kind of an index base. You can go year ahead. Uh, and see where you're going anywhere in the United States, your zip code, and it'll give you an index. Saying, Yikes, it's an eight. You know? And a lot of times you have to be careful what triggers you in the spring, say here in Lehigh Valley, March, April, and then you're maybe okay through summer. But then you travel to Florida in June. Yikes, you know, mm. the same things that may have triggered you here are now down there in June. And you don't know that because you've never ex- maybe experienced it down there. So it's a neat index that kind of help you when you're traveling. Or I got a wedding in Hawaii in July. Yikes, you know, maybe you're going to have that type of index. So it's a neat tool to kind of help folks manage. It's always better to be proactive with these diseases than it is to let them get to the point of me where I'm in, you know, almost in the hospital for three months because I didn't, you know, know the the conditions that would trigger my attack. Sure. Um, And I know from my herbal training that, you know, it's too late once you get the asthma or the allergy to be able to rectify it with like natural um, results. So. Yeah, this I have to start to look at that myself. Even though I don't have allergies, some of my friends do. So that's, yeah, that's a neat ter- tool. It tracks uh, allergy, asthma, and flu. Okay, now I'm looking at a number of your clients. Do you have health networks as clients as well? Uh, well, again, we've been in the health space for like I said, 20 years. Aquivia Health, with again a lot of the allergy, flu, or uh, the, the traditional upper respiratory diseases. You know, they they definitely have weather triggers, so yeah. we do help those folks. Uh, Pollen.com is another longtime client, right? They're just allergy related, but okay. uh, yeah, been in that space for a long time. Listeners, you got a little heads up here as to what you can do about the winter and the flu and, and the allergy season comes spring again. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we're hearing about the hurricanes and the, the drought and what climate change is doing to our world. You know, because right now we, there was the climate summit recently. And please talk about what your your thoughts are with the weather and Look, that. It's, it, there's two kind of, you know, the, the, again, the problem is just let the, you know, it's a sensationalism, right? As a scientist, I don't don't like the sensationalism. Let's stick to the facts. Right there's a the hurricanes. Yes, there's a lot of hurricanes this year. But if you look at the major hurricanes, Cat threes and above across the world, the trend over the last 50 years is actually decreasing pretty rapidly. But but yet we have an Ida, Hurricane Ida, right? That flooded New York City. It you know did damage in New Orleans, right? You've put a lot of people, billions and billions of dollars of infrastructure that we didn't have years ago. So an an Ida, you know, 80 years ago in Louisiana would not done anywhere near the damage that it does today, right? Just because of the infrastructure and the stuff that's there. Um, So, but again, you know, the perception might be that hurricanes are all time epic of all time and they're not, you know, you just, again, we could track that data. We have it. It's from NOAA. It's from the governments. It's, you know, but, you know, the, the media will glanch onto one storm and say that this is, yes, Ida was a $55 billion disaster. It flooded New York City, Philadelphia, or underwater. Again, it just, it's going to happen, right, eventually, if it's you like, put these, you know, Florida's another disaster waiting to happen. Again, it's been a long time since they've had a major hurricane, like in Miami and those right. areas. It's coming, right, just a matter of time. Well, um, we so. build on floodplains, and we build in areas that are not really appropriate for 
us to live, correct? So the other, yeah, and so we're seeing that here in Lehigh Valley, right? Too many warehouses in theory, right? I mean, you can't put all this farmland that absorbs water, right? And then, wow, why are you having all these sinkholes and flooding, you know, in the Lehigh Valley? I know one of my employees, president of my company, he's supposedly in a 500-year floodplain, yet he's had three floods in the last five years. Well, you're, you can't put millions of factories and, you know, warehouses in Mukunji, and all that water's got to go somewhere, right? So yeah. he's now not the 500-year floodplain. He's the, you know, 10-year floodplain. Yeah. It's nothing to do with climate change. It has everything to do with, you know, Development. impervious surfaces and whatnot. So there are cycles. We're, we're much more proponent of, you know, there's La Nina cycle right now uh, and a cold – the Pacific, ironically, is cold, uh, both the equatorial Pacific and the North Pacific. Uh, and that's an important cycle for our winter. The Atlantic is still very warm, right? So there's just the, those cycles go through 20-year cycles, 30-year cycles, 100-year cycles. One of the unfortunate things just in climate science is that the 1800s, where our weather data started, you talked about mm-hmm. that starting. 1895 is the start of officially good weather data in the U.S. We were one of the best. Uh, that was the end of the Little Ice Age. 16, 17, 1800s were frigid. You know, George Washington crossing the Delaware, right? That was a frigid Decades, Periods, decades yeah. hundreds, you know, hundreds of years. That's where our data starts, one of the coldest. And then the satellite era data, which started in 1976, 1970s. We all remember 1970s, right? right? It was freezing cold and snowy. That's the satellite era starting point, freezing cold period. So, yes, from those two data points, there's been global warming. But it's it's, it's unfortunate times in history. If we, you know, if we had started the satellite era in the 50s, you know, or 40s, 30s, 40s, we'd say, wow, there's global cooling, mm-hmm. right? So pick your point. Again, I, I'm just not a fan of the sensation. Let's get to the real science and figure out the real problems. And there are a lot of problems to figure out. And yes, man does contribute to pollution. And I would say we should figure out the pollution problem then more than the, uh, it's funny today, just watching the cement factory. And again, got a lot of cement factories. They do a good thing. But the pollution stream, you could see go literally 80 miles from our office. I mean, just through the sky of the pollution that it was producing. So any event, those are things we probably should figure out. Yeah, how to, how to work with that, how to re- reverse that. So the the other thing that's happening is is the drought, and, and we're seeing this more. You know, we live in a great area, I think, in the Lehigh Valley. We're just sort of nestled a little bit, and um, but on the west coast, uh, with the water situation and the droughts that are going on down there, is is that the same thing as, as very we- predictable cycle? Okay. So as the Pacific, you know, again, global warming will help California. So as soon as the Pacific is warm, El Ninos is a warm Pacific Ocean cycle. A warm Pacific PDO cycles, Pacific Decadal Oscillation cycles, the warm Pacific. So when the Pacific's warm, what happens? There's lots of moisture, lots of clouds. California gets wet and green, right? So that's why they love El Ninos because they get a lot of rain from El Ninos. The opposite is what we're in now the last couple of years is La Nina and a cold Pacific Decadal Oscillation cycle. Now, the problem with the PDO cycles, that can go 30 years, El Nino's, La Nina's come every few years, but PDO, the broader Pacific Ocean, that cold cycle's kind of here. Um, okay. And unfortunately, cold Pacific means the opposite, subsidence, uh, sinking air, right? So what you have in the La Nina cycles, which influences the whole world, is you have sinking air generally, the broad circulation pattern would be sinking air over the U.S. and sinking air over South America. South America just had the worst drought in 91 years this past summer. The U.S. Corn Belt had an epic slow drought cycle, you know, the whole West. You, right. you know, Lake Mead and California right. and the reservoirs plummeting. Um, so, uh, you know, La Nina is typically that. Now, what happens in the opposite end is the rising air in the uh, West Pacific, right? So Malaysia is in Indonesia and China where there's epic flooding, right? Because the air is rising over there. It's sinking over here. So it's just a broad circulation cycle. Now, you know, La Nina is probably going to break down next year. You know, I don't think we'll get to El Nino just yet. Probably.
probably in a year or two, we'll start getting back to an El Nino. So it is a long-term problem for California, no doubt. Um, but the other problem for California is you can't put 45 million people in a semi-arid, you know, I joke with my family in Bakersfield, California there. I said, you know, they get four inches of rain a year, right? That's, That's all it. you get, right? So you can't put, you know, 43 million people and an agricultural infrastructure, right? We took desert valleys. Bakersfield was an oil town yeah. 50 years ago. Today yeah. it's lush and green because of irrigation, right. crops, you know, again, just can't do that in that kind of environment and not expect to have things like Lake Mead plummet, plummeting to historic low levels. It just, it doesn't have the infrastructure to support that. Yeah. Know. And and it's interesting mm. when I watch a lot of these, these housing makeover things uh, on TV, HGTV, and you see that they're trying to get people to go back to, if you're living in Bakersfield, you shouldn't have grass. You shouldn't, and you shouldn't. I tease my aunt there. She <laughs> said, "She says this is not a desert, you know, because they got beautiful palm trees and green and beautiful lawns." I said, "Cindy, shut your sprinklers off for two weeks and tell me how green it is." <laughs> they water the highways, which is just raging to me, right? But yes. you, know, you literally see the medians of highways with sprinklers on them. I mean, that's just a waste of water. You know, you're, <laughs> you're, not a, you're not a tropical environment. <laughs> I, I also saw recently in the paper, and I know that you can't give me too much insight on this, but you recently joined with Fox Weather. Um, it's a cool new app. Uh, so Fox Weather actually going to do a lot of it's. It's a different concept, and you know they want to be the Weather Channel, right? But uh, a different uh, slant to it, and actually it's really entertaining. You know, I'm first blush with it. So it's Fox Weather, um, and it's it's a streaming type service. Um, you know, top secret. We do support it. I'm not allowed to talk too much about how we do that, but uh, it is cool, unique. Um, it's got long range content, short range content, and obviously real live. You know, talking about all the stuff, but it's a little more. I argue a little bit the Weather Channel maybe lost their way, and they've had a lot of – they've been sold over the years. Then um, they got into the movies, you know, and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, people – back in my day, the thing got me interested in weather was the Weather Channel. I mean, the 80s, you know, when the Weather Channel first came out in the early 80s, it was just – I was watching that thing 24-7 because it was real-time <laughs> weather and tornadoes. You're and, addicted. You know, it, was, it was just cool <laughs> content. It was your go-to source for weather. Right. Today, the challenge for all anything is just that you have so many sources for everything, right? You You're do. bombarded. Your you phone, do. your app, your this, you know, right? I mean – uh, that's why newspapers struggle with, you know, not going to go to the newspaper for weather, right? I mean, yeah. you go to your app, you know, your phone. So is is this an app, the Fox Weather? Is it an it's app? an app. It's a cool app. In fact, when they came out last a week or two ago, it was the number one over TikTok, Facebook, everything. It was the number one downloaded app. So they really came out with a splash. Um, it's cool. It is a neat app. Um, so it's worth checking out. Okay. It's not political, right? It's all about weather. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's good. That's so. good. Yeah, because there can be some you know, strings there. So with our listeners being predominantly here in the in the greater Lehigh Valley, what are your thoughts with what's hap- going to happen to us the next couple of months? Winter, right? Yeah, the winter outlook. Um, so last year was very unusual. Uh, typically La Nina's, now I say this, the La Nina cycle is typically not a big snowy winter for us, yet we had 58 inches of snow last year. And 44 inches of that came in February last year, as you remember. What happened last year is the polar vortex got very displaced, which is... So when the polar vortex is really um, strong, it tends to bottle up all the cold air at the Arctic. But last year it got weak and it, it broke off. And yeah. this year it, got, it broke off in a weird spot, kind of in the north-central U.S., kind of west-central Canada. Normally it would be more parked over Hudson's Bay, uh, Canada. So in that situation, we would have gotten really cold, but not a lot of snow, which is more typical of La Nina. Uh, it didn't do that. It parked more. Than, so we were not on the – it was colder in Texas than it was here last winter. Right. But we were in the parade of storms for 44 inches of February, which was, you know, horrific. Um, this year, I think it's unfortunately, again, it's the second year of La Nina's can be colder and snowier. So we have it the coldest in seven years here locally for the winter. 
Um, so last year was the cold. It was a cold. And, you know, I mean, slightly below average um, because of February. Um, we have it just a little bit cold in that. Maybe not 58 inches of snow, but probably in the 40, 50 inch rain. Really? But wow. the problem is you still have a warm Atlantic. So if we do get probably more of these polar vortex, more normal pattern with a warm Atlantic, it is a catalyst for bigger storms. You know. Um, now, eventually the Atlantic's going to get cold. It goes through its cold cycle. It's imminently close, whether it's a few years, five years. It's, you know, it goes through a 20-year cold cycle as well. Uh, cold Pacific, cold, you know, equatorial Pacific, and this warm Atlantic, unfortunately, is could be an interesting winter into March even. Uh, we have a bad December, early snow, December. January could be the big month this year, and then even a few couple storms in March. So it's Okay. Uh, <laughs> get, get those boots out. Get the snow shovels ready. You're going to pay more for your electric bill, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, Bill, it is always so great to have you on the show and get caught up and, and, and quite honestly, get the scientific perspective, because we're hammered every day with what is going on in the news about the weather. But you always provide that sort of refreshing look at really what is happening. So when scientists say the debate's over, that's, just the, the, that's what all science is about. We should be having dialogue constantly. Right? Yeah. I mean, this data says this, but this data says that. Let's figure it out, right? Let's not just, oh, it, it's this, period, end of conversation. No, we don't know that. In a lot of cases, that's, you know, maybe the old days, you know, climate change meant, you know, heat and drought all the time. And then, you know, all of a sudden we started getting really snowy. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, now snowy is about climate change. So in any event, yeah, let's yeah. get to the real facts. And let's give the website address and the app. Um, so just go to Fox Weather, um, and you'll you'll find. Is that, that a free app? Did you know? It's a free app. Yeah, okay. no, it's awesome. Um, our app is Weather Trends three hundred and sixty. Uh, it's WT three six zero Lite is the free version, and that does your head as well. Uh, and then weathertrends360.com. You know, I do a video every week, so check it out. Yes, you do, and you give updates, and I like to get them from Captain Kirk. So, <laughs> thank you, thank you for being our guest today, Bill. Again, listeners, this is Bill Kirk, who is co-founder and CEO of Weather Trends International. I'd like to thank James Johnson, who's our news and information director. And most of all, again, thank you for listening to 88.1 FM WDIY or our app or online. This is Sally Hanlon for Lehigh Valley Business Beat.